You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Outdoor Edge introduces the all-new Razor Guide Pack. Coming in at 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the Razor Guide Pack has it all. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This is your home for all things outdoors in the Badger State. I'm your host, Josh Raley, thank you so much for tuning in with me this week. Hey, sorry, I uh, missed an episode. Totally missed an episode last week. I had scheduled to record it, and man, wouldn't you know it, the night that I am scheduled to record, I start feeling sick, and man, about, I don't know, 9 o'clock that evening, it finally hit me. I kept I kept pushing it back in my mind, thinking, well, you'll you'll get better. Like, it'll be, it'll be fine. Like, maybe you just ate too much at dinner, maybe you just ate something that didn't agree with you, like, you'll be okay. So then 8 o'clock rolls around, I'm still not feeling good. 9 o'clock rolls around, I'm thinking, man, I don't I don't know that I'm going to be able to record this episode this week. And man, it just hit me like, like a bus. I mean, just out of nowhere, the uh, stomach bug crept up on me. And it's been going around here uh, where I am. My kids have had one, um, cousins have had one. So it's been, you know, it's it's been making the rounds. So I guess it was my turn. And it, it's been a while, to be honest with you, since I've had like a really bad, you know, stomach flu. And uh, man, this one, this one's up there. You know, as I just think through uh, the last the last couple of ones that I've had, this stomach flu was definitely the worst. But um, in the last couple anyway. And man, what my plan was, was to get you guys the story of my Wisconsin bird. Because last time, uh, in the last episode, I talked with my buddy Pierce and kind of shared the Iowa story. And, you know, we were really hoping that we were going to get to hunt together. Um, you know, before I scheduled the Iowa trip, we were thinking that we might could work something out. Then it turned out Pierce wasn't going to be able to do it. And then it was like, that's okay. We'll still have Wisconsin, right? Like Pierce was going to come over Wednesday morning. We're going to meet up at the public land spot that I really enjoy hunting and, uh, you know, it was going to follow me around with a camera. We were going to make some moves on some birds. It was going to be awesome. Uh, we were going to kill a bird in our minds. We were going to kill a bird that morning. We were going to get out to do some fishing for the afternoon. And, uh, yeah, we had a really, really good plan going into it. And the plan did not play out 
at all like we expected. I did leave Wisconsin with a bird. I did end up killing a bird on uh, Wednesday, which was opening day of period A there in Wisconsin in zone two. But it just didn't happen like we thought it was going to happen. So anyway, that's what this episode is going to be all about. I'm going to share my story of how I got that bird, uh, what I did in the days leading up to it that I think made me very effective, and also a little bit about my familiarity with the property and how that played into my decision-making on the afternoon that uh, that I was actually able to tag a turkey. Before I get too far, though, I do want to say thanks to our partners. I'm going to lead off this week with Huntworth. I was actually just exchanging a couple of emails with the folks over at Huntworth, talking about ideas for uh, potential products or changes or tweaks here and there. And guys, I could not be happier right now with the gear that I've got from Huntworth. I hunted in downright just like blizzard conditions pretty much in in Iowa and it kept me warm even though I didn't have all of my heat boost stuff. I did have my Elkins gear. I did have my base layers. I did have my, uh, my uh, Saskatoon vest. Kept me plenty warm there in Iowa. Hunted in Wisconsin, pouring down rain, hailstorm as you're gonna hear here in just a moment and uh, was was comfortable there. I hunted this past, boy, I guess that was yesterday. Yeah, hunted yesterday morning in Georgia and it's 80 plus degrees and I was very, very comfortable sitting against a tree. Now, when you got out in the sun, you're walking around, it's like, okay, it's 80 something, you're in the sun. It's pretty, it's, it's feeling pretty warm to be in long sleeves and long pants. But man, the, the Durham lightweight pants and I basically just wore my base layer uh, for for the top and was was very very comfortable out there so you should go check them out huntworthgear.com right now get geared up for fall i know uh, turkey seasons are really starting to wrap up you know wisconsin's got a couple of weeks left uh looks like three weeks left or so uh but you know for uh, much of the rest of the country seasons are really wrapping up so it's a great time to begin to shift your focus back to whitetails and think about what you should get for the whitetail season. And as you're making your decision, I am a huge fan of the Tarnan pattern. It has worked well for me in the deep south. It has worked well for me in the Midwest. It has worked well for me kind of in between, you know, North Georgia-ish. I mean, I guess that's the deep south for some people, but for others, it's not really the deep south anymore. Uh, So anyway, yeah, check them out. Huntworthgear.com. I love the Tarnan pattern. And uh, they got tons of good stuff coming up. I was actually learning about some new products that may be coming out for this next year so if you're not quite ready to pull the trigger just yet uh keep your eyes on them because i got some good stuff coming next up was onyx guys onyx was a huge part of this turkey hunt i had onyx pulled up on my phone pretty much the entire time that i'm trying to make moves on these birds luckily early in the season birds were vocal and uh you know that allows you to kind of make a play and make a move but, um, yeah, I wouldn't have been able to do, to do that nearly as easily or with the confidence that I had, had I not had my Onyx Hunt app. If you're not already using Onyx, you should go check them out. You can find them on the App Store of your choice. You can get a seven-day free trial right now. And if you are already using Onyx, you should check out their Elite membership. Tons of perks and bonuses that come along with that. You can also learn more at onyxmaps.com. And then finally, guys, Tacticam title sponsor of the show obviously um i'm getting my new 6.0s really dialed in and i say dialed in like it took work to get there it really didn't uh i have found what for me works the absolute best i think i'm going to put together a video maybe this afternoon on what i have found to be my most uh 
enjoyable, I guess, dialed in feeling setup when it comes to the Tacticams. I'm running three different Tacticam cameras, sometimes four when I'm out hunting. Uh, definitely four if I'm hunting from a blind, but with the running gun style, you know, you kind of have to adjust and adapt and, and do what you can. You don't have quite as much time to set up sometimes like we didn't have time to set up when, uh, when the birds were coming in in Wisconsin, as you're going to hear in just a minute. But those 6.0 cameras are amazing. They've cut out for me the, the middle routine of getting a camera, you know, pointed in a direction then having to open up my app and pull up the app and see exactly what the camera's pointed at and get it aimed just right so that uh, I was going to catch the action looking at my phone as kind of the screen for that. Well, the 6.0s, they have that little screen on there, which means you turn it on, you look at where the camera's facing, it tells you exactly what you're getting in the frame, and you can back off and uh, get, get back to your hide wherever you want that to be. So huge, huge upgrade. Uh, I know I mention it every week in sort of the the mid-roll commercial uh, that that 6.0 screen is a huge game changer. And guys, it really, really is. It has shortened my setup by by minutes, uh, which when you've got a gobbling turkey or when you're trying to set up on a buck early in the morning, uh, man, th those minutes are, are very, very critical. So go check them out, tacticam.com. Look at that 6.0, grab yourself, do yourself a favor, grab the universal mount and grab a, um, grab a stabilizer mount for your bow. Uh, if you're planning to bow hunt, if you're not planning to bow hunt, just grab the barrel mount for a gun. They are fantastic. The universal mounts, I love them because you can just screw them to anything. In fact, one of my favorite pieces of equipment now is a universal mount with a 6.0 in it and just a steel rod that's threaded. I just thread it up into the universal mount and I can take that thing and just jab it down into the ground wherever I want to go. And so far, I've not had a single game animal respond negatively to it because it's just a little black box up on top of a metal pole. So I, I haven't even painted mine yet. Like it's silver and it still doesn't seem like it has spooked anything yet. So anyway, Tacticam.com. Guys, they are they are a huge supporter of this, uh, of this show and I really appreciate their partnership. I would love it if you would go support them and the other brands that support this show. Now it is time to recap my Wisconsin turkey season for period A. Um, we left off the story where I tagged out in Iowa on a property that used to be leased out by some folks who are well known in the hunting industry had uh, quite a few people actually reach out to me and say hey who are those guys that that burned out the landowner I can't sell or I can't give away their their information can't sell them out so uh, but suffice it to say it was a really really great hunt a very quick hunt went back talked to that farmer for a while afterwards just thanking him and uh, you know he, he he explained to me kind of what farmers in the Midwest deal with right now. You know, folks come in, they ask permission, uh, and he says, you know, you wouldn't believe how many friends a farmer has during deer season. And then, you know, you people just kind of use you for your land and for your property. So gave me a little bit of a different, I don't know, different take on things. So, guys, if you've got a farmer and he allows you to hunt on his property, you know, be very careful, not just – of what you do on the property, but, but also just how you manage that relationship. Like just, just don't be a jerk. Like be a, be a legitimate friend. Do uh, treat that person how you would like them to, to treat you. If you are giving them the, the luxury of being able to hunt on your, on your primo ground. So anyway, went back, hung out with the farmer for a while and uh, wasn't sure exactly how things were going to work, but I got back to the camper, got the bird all cleaned up, got my pop-up camper, 
sort of packed down, I guess, and, and ready to go. And then I went ahead and pointed in the direction of Wisconsin. I had about a two-hour drive, so I knew that I could not only make it to Wisconsin, but also get everything set up and make it out in time to, um, you know, do a little bit of scouting that evening. So that's exactly what I did. I headed for Wisconsin. I went scouting that evening, and right away in Wisconsin, one of the first things that I noticed is I'm like, holy cow, man, there are more birds here in zone two than I have seen in years past. Now, um, you know, folks may agree or disagree with what I'm seeing personally. Uh, This was kind of a confined area, maybe a circle of about five to seven miles or so where I was seeing turkey numbers that were really, really high. And, And what I'm basing that on is I was seeing turkeys in all the places where I normally see them. So, you know, you've got those fields that year after year, there's a strutter or two or three or four, or maybe even more in, uh, in these fields. So not only were there more strutters in the fields than I usually see, <clears throat> but I was also seeing turkeys in places that I didn't usually see them. So there were lots of fields where, you know, every other year I was, I was not seeing birds, or maybe you'd see the occasional bird there, but not, not consistently. But man, this I realized right away, as soon as I started driving around, not only did the farms that I have permission on have um, a good a good population, have the birds on them, but all of the properties had, had birds on them that I have permission to hunt and some additional properties that I knew that I could either gain access to most likely or I could circle around them and get, get at those birds on public ground. So that first evening there, I head into a spot that is – kind of one of my favorites. Um, It's been really good to me. I've had a little bit of success there early season for for deer hunting, and I've had a little bit of success there during turkey season. I haven't actually killed a a turkey uh, in this specific spot yet, but I know they like to hang out there, especially in the early season. Once the pressure ramps up a little bit, you can kind of bet uh, it's probably not a great place to be. But, But that's the first place where I went. And wouldn't you know it, right around uh, dusk, I hear the birds fly up. I hear them gobble on the roost, and I'm like, "Okay, this is gonna be this is gonna be really, really good." Like this is, they're they're right where I need them to be. But it's you know it's a day and a half already at this point, or you know a day and an evening ahead of opening day, so it wasn't quite time yet. So I get back to the camper, uh, do a little bit of work, get some stuff done in the evenings. I had planned to record a podcast there. Uh, interestingly enough, though, I forgot my power cord for my soundboard in Wisconsin, which meant I didn't have what I needed to actually power the stupid thing so that my microphones would work. And then obviously I didn't have any of my adapters to try to get my mic plugged into my computer, but that's okay. It allowed me to kind of kick back just a little bit and get ready for the next day. I really hit the ground running that next day though. I had, uh, took the camera out with me, uh, set up in a spot where I could not only see a lot, but I was going to be able to hear a lot as well. And that I thought would be the more important uh, piece of the puzzle, that I could sit there, see a lot, hear a lot, uh, but mostly that hearing piece was going to be really big. Well, when you know it, daylight rolls around, turkeys start gobbling all over the place. There's turkeys in the distance, there's turkeys close to me, and man, it's just absolutely insane. Like, I'm just covered up in gobblers. Uh, and then... I'm sitting there watching this field 
watching a hen that had just popped up, and two toms materialize up from out of the marsh and step out in the field. One starts strutting, one starts kind of acting real nervous around the other tom, and that other tom that was strutting kind of chases him around a little bit. So they were, I, I guess, I guess the one was 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 not a big fan of the the subordinate bird being there, but he hung around long enough anyway. So I got to watch them for a solid, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. And I'm sitting there. I'm not dressed all in camo, though, uh, because I don't think that I need to be, right? Like, I'm just here to listen. I'm here to watch, and then I'm going to bail out. Well, I look to my right, and about 100 yards from me is a huge Tom standing there strutting. He is eye level with me instead of kind of down in the bottom where I expected. I have no idea where he came from. I mean, he would have had to cover three to 400 yards um, across this field unless he was roosted in a tree that basically was, you know, 50 yards from me. And if, and if he was there, I never heard him gobble. I never heard him fly down. Uh, anyway, I got so caught up watching those other two toms. I don't know where this other one came from. But that one starts working my way, and then the two toms that are kind of down in the bottom start working my direction. And when they break, you know, 200 yards, and I've got this other tom at 75 yards, and I realized very quickly, I'm not wearing camo, and I've got to get the heck out of here. Like, I don't want to booger these birds uh, and mess them up potentially for for the next day. So I just break all of my camera stuff down and hit the ground, hit the dirt, and belly crawl to get uh, out and away, kind of use the terrain in the field to my advantage. And I eventually got out of there without busting anything uh, without messing anything up too bad, I think. And then from there, I, I hit the road again, doing a lot of road scouting. I With the number of birds that I was seeing from the car, I didn't feel like I really needed to get out and do a lot of scouting. I didn't want to walk into these areas because uh, I, I was able to scout from a distance. I didn't need to know exactly where the birds had been scratching in the middle of the day because I had a pretty good idea of, uh, of what was going on. So I did a bit more driving around that day and I found this really big group of, of birds um, that is typically close to this piece of public. In fact, I mentioned them last year. Um, there was a big flock of birds. There's, they were still in a, in a very large flock at the end of the season last year with several times in it. I tried to make a big play, big mile and a half or so loop around them onto some, on, on the public ground. Maybe it's a mile and a quarter. I don't know what it is, but it's a long way to make this big loop back in there behind these birds. Uh, and they were in uh, a, a flock of turkeys, maybe not them, was in this farm field again. So I had an even better plan of how I could loop around on those turkeys. So, you know, at this point, I am, I'm having a hard time thinking that this season is going to take me very long to fill my tag because there are literally just turkeys everywhere. Um, I go out that evening, however. I go back to the spot where I'd been that morning, um, where I'd seen three toms in the same field, and I'm like, okay, I I need to get a bead on these guys for tomorrow morning, figure out exactly where they're going to be, because I have high confidence, especially with how aggressive the one tom was, that if I could get in there and start doing some calling, and he didn't have a lot of hens with him, he just had the one hen that he came out strutting around, but he was very aggressive towards the other tom, so I thought, if I can get in there early, and if I can get set up, I have pretty good confidence that I can get at least one of those toms um, to, to, to break and come my way if they were in the same spot. Well, I sit there that evening, and I see another tom, and he's acting super weird. He, he comes out into the field, 
and literally sprints from one side of the field to the, the far end. And he's just running full bore. And I'm talking, I watched him run for probably, I don't know, close to 500 yards before he turned up into the woods. But he turned up into the woods exactly where he had been, or a Tom, the Toms, had been roosted the evening before. So I think, okay, great. He's going in there. He's going to fly up. He's going to start gobbling. And uh, it's going to be money. Well, I then see another Tom kind of down towards where I saw one strutting to my right 100 yards earlier that morning. And he's standing there strutting again. And I'm like, okay, he's going to fly up and roost somewhere. This will be great. I'll get to get an idea of where he's at. Well, he turns and heads straight to the east. And I'm thinking, now why is he doing Well, actually, I'm sorry, straight to the west. And I'm wondering, why in the world would he be doing that? Why, why would he be heading west? That's nowhere near where I thought he would have come from that morning. And like I said earlier, if he had covered that ground that morning when I saw him, it must have been, I don't know, three or 400 yards that I just didn't see him crossing the field. But he heads straight that way. And then a, a large flock of hens, about eight or ten hens, all ahead his direction as well. And I'm thinking, okay, they're going to go over there. This other Tom's going to go back where he was roosted this morning. This is going to be really good. It's going to work out in my favor. I can kind of get between them. Well, then that first Tom that I saw comes running back up out of the timber, out of this kind of marshy area with some taller trees in the back, just comes sprinting back out into the field, stops, looks around, turns the opposite direction that he had been running earlier, and runs all the way down the field edge again, another 500 yards back to where he had been earlier. Super, super weird behavior. Like, I have no idea what's got this bird acting this way. Uh, but he goes down and goes back up into the timber where I saw all the other birds uh, that I mentioned a moment ago all kind of flying up. And I'm like, okay, maybe they're all going to fly up together. We'll see. Well, the sun goes down, and I don't hear a gobble, and I don't hear a gobble, and I don't hear a gobble. So finally, I'm like, I'm going to owl hoot to see if I can get something out of them. Nothing. I'm like, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll try the little screechy thing like the THP guys do. Nothing. Well, maybe I'll coyote howl at him. Nothing. And so I went from, I mean, hearing literally hundreds of gobbles that morning, probably two to 300 gobbles that morning, to hearing not a single gobble in the afternoon. And that, that to me, has been a normal experience in the South where birds just don't seem to gobble as well in the evening. It is very rare that I would go out in the evenings in Wisconsin and not at least be able to roost birds, like not at least be able to figure out, okay, there's, there's some goblin over here. They may not be close. They may not be on public that I have access or, you know, ground that I have access to, but I can find birds, but not a thing hardly gobbled that morning or that evening. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is going to be tough for, for tomorrow morning. I think I kind of know where to start, but I really, really don't know. So I get back to the car and, and I'm talking with my buddy Pierce and I, I can't remember exactly when this happened. This may have actually been a little bit earlier in the day, but I, I can't remember. Pierce is having car trouble though. And he's got a, a, a guided trip coming up uh, where he's going to be hosting a couple of different folks on, on a fishing trip, kind of a, a little bit of a bigger, you know, bigger guiding experience, I guess you could say. Uh, and so rather than, you know, try to push it or anything like that, I was just like, look, Pierce, you're, you're not running on a lot of sleep. Uh, these birds didn't gobble at all this evening. Your car is still messed up like Good, just take the day and, and figure out what you need to figure out, you know, get, get, get that fixed. And then maybe we can try to hunt together, you know, the, the following day. And I'd also been talking with Matt Strime from Weathered Oaks Game Calls about hunting with me on, on Friday, which if you haven't used Weathered Oaks Game Calls or haven't checked them out yet, you really, really should. 
He makes excellent double-sided slate calls. I don't know what the top is, but there's a slate on the bottom. And, uh, man, just really love him. I used a prototype. I guess it was last year? Year before? I don't know. Maybe last year. Uh, I got to use one of the prototype calls, and I, I love it. The thing's still in my vest. I've got, I've got turkey calls from a bunch of different manufacturers, and that is the uh, that's the pot call that goes in my vest. So, um, anyway, really, really dig it. So, I had guys lined up to hunt with me on Thursday and on Friday. So, I just thought, you know what? Not a big deal on Wednesday. It's opening day. I'll get out there, and I'll try to figure out where these birds are at, maybe do a little bit more scouting. There was just some really weird behavior the night before. So, you know. Wasn't too worried about Pierce not being able to make it. And then I knew, you know, I I had Matt to hunt with on Friday. So I was covered, right? Like that's the turkey hunting dream is having buddies to share the time with. So I was like, you know what? First day, I won't have anybody with me. Not a big deal. I'll find the birds uh, and figure out a little bit better of what their pattern is. So that when I do have folks with me, you know, we we have a really good hunt uh, given the limited time that we're going to have together. Just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is brought to you by Tacticam makers of the best point-of-view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that is a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions, you know just how frustrating it can be to try to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of mounts and adapters. This fall, I'm going to be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with the 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com, and share your hunt with Tacticam. So get out there the next morning, and this is opening day, right? And there are cars in the parking lot already, uh, which, which that's fine. You know, not a big deal. Uh, but So I get to the place where I want to park and park the car, and rather than commit to the direction that I thought those turkeys were going to go uh, that evening, because they never confirmed exactly where they were roosted, I set up and put my decoys out on this high spot in the field where no matter where I had in this field that turkeys came out, they could at least see my decoys. Um, But I was also going to be away from any of the hunting pressure because it comes in from a different direction. I like to get creative with where I park my car and with how I access. I really don't like using parking lots. I like to go park in other places so that I don't end up uh, having people, you know, come in right on top of me or, or that kind of thing. So, um, I was going to be able to monitor from where I was, not only these birds where they enter or exit the field, I was going to be able to hear a lot, uh, if the turkeys gobbled anywhere around me, but I was actually going to be able to watch the, uh, access trail about, I don't know, 250 ish yards away. So I could see whether or not people were back in there hunting that morning. So I get set up. The hide is good. Uh, in fact, it's great. Like the, the cover is fantastic. I found this little pocket with just some brush right up in front of me. It, it was almost like being in a ground blind made or being in a, in a, you know, like a hub style blind, except it was natural vegetation. It was just a perfect little hole for me, for me to get in. So really couldn't ask for much better. 
I get set up. I got my decoys out. I've got the cameras up. Tacticams are, you know, in the field on the decoys. This is, this is going to be great. Like, I'm primed and ready for whatever these turkeys throw at me. And daylight rolls around, no goblin. Uh, 7 o'clock rolls around, no goblin. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, what happened? This went from a hot spot yesterday with three toms strutting in this field right after flydown to here we are this next morning and nothing. And I actually, I actually did end up hearing one bird gobble uh, out in front of me. Sounded like a Jake, and he moved from west to east. And he only gobbled a couple of times. And I'm thinking, okay, I have a pretty good idea. There are a couple of other guys in there, and I don't know why they're they're not shooting. I don't hear them calling to them or anything. Maybe they're just calling quiet. I don't know. But whatever the case is, the birds were not acting right in on this particular morning. Which there's not a lot of mornings in southern Wisconsin that I would say. I went out and the birds didn't act right. Like, if the birds are on the property that I'm hunting, uh, they're acting right. And so, uh, you you probably know this. If you hunt farm ground, if the birds are on your property, you're going to hear them gobbling. Uh, but it was just a really quiet morning, really weird morning. So, I decided, you know what, I'm going to pack up and head out. And as I begin to kind of pack up, I look and I see two guys walking up out of the marsh uh, from where I heard that turkey gobbling earlier that morning, which made me think, okay, they probably went in there to where these birds had been roosting. They probably got too close to to where the birds had been roosting, and that's probably why I only heard the one gobble or the one bird gobbling and probably why it he just kind of gobbled as he moved from west to east. He didn't really gobble on the on the limb. He gobbled once he flew down, and I could kind of track his movements as he gobbled like two or three times. Um along that field edge. So I hit the car again though, because I don't know, man, I just love watching strutting turkeys. (laughs) So I hit the car again and uh, we start, we, I start driving around and trying to formulate a plan for the afternoon. And there's some bad weather rolling in like thunderstorms and that kind of thing. And I'm thinking, you know, I've got several more days to hunt and I don't mind hunting in the rain if I don't have, or if, if I need to, uh, I've got the Huntworth gear and their rain suit is just phenomenal. It's the best rain suit I've ever used. So it'll, it'll keep me dry, but it was also windy and man, just the, the combination of windy and rainy when I'm turkey hunting, I just don't enjoy it. You know, when it comes to, uh, whitetails, yeah, throw me in a stand in the rain, throw me in a, and a ground blind in the rain, throw me in a saddle in the rain, not a big deal. But if I can't hear birds gobbling or, you know, if it's just pouring down rain, it's not a lot of fun. So I decide, you know what? I'm going to uh, do a little bit of driving around, a little bit more scouting. And I'd also met a listener of the show named John. And John had kind of texted me and said, hey, man, and or he had messaged me back in, gosh, I guess maybe January, February, maybe even March. I don't remember. But he had messaged me and said, hey, man, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know where you killed your buck this year. And he was exactly right. He, he knew exactly where I killed my buck this year. And so we got to talking and, and kind of made plans. Hey, turkey season, if it's going on, then, uh, you know, if you're up here for turkey season, Josh, why don't you, why don't we try to, to hook up? And so um, I did a little bit of scouting that morning. Then John and I had been kind of texting back and forth. And so I was like, hey, man, do you mind if I swing by your shop? I'll just swing by and, and see what you're up to. And uh, so we talked that morning. For, for a little while, and first, this is the first time that we ever met in, in, in public, and it's one of the things that I love about the audience of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast. One of the things I love about you guys uh, when you reach out, because it's like, 
I've had a lot of folks who are listeners of this show who turn into friends super, super quickly. So I talked with John that morning, first time we ever met in person. Uh, first of all, I, first thing I realized is that John is a giant human being. He's like six foot five, extremely tall, but we're already working out plans to how we can hunt together that afternoon, like immediately. He's like, hey, I got a camera. And I'm like, sweet, dude, like bring it and let's go. And so, um, anyway, we had kind of seen the same birds. We hunt the same area. So we, we, were, we were both familiar with what the birds were kind of doing. And uh, we made a plan to make a play on the birds that we had observed on private, but we have to make the big loop around them to get to them on public. So that was kind of going to be the play for the afternoon. He had some work to do. I had some work to do. It was also bad weather. So we were like, hey, we'll go back out this afternoon and we'll try to make the big loop. And if nothing else, if we can't call them back to us on the public, then at least we will have an opportunity when they head back to roost for the evening. So that's what we do. Uh, and I'm, I'm driving on the way to, to go meet back up with John again for the afternoon. And there's just one more line of thunderstorms that's going to kind of blow through and then potentially some rain for the rest of the afternoon. But you know what? It's the afternoon of day one. I've got a tag in my pocket, so I got to go. Uh, but man, we hit a hailstorm. I hit a hailstorm on my way there and it was bad. I'm talking like quarter sized hail smashing into my car as I am trying to drive uh, down there. And I'm just thinking to myself like, this cannot be good for the turkey hunting. I cannot imagine that, that this is going to go well, right? Like birds, I, I don't know what turkeys do during hailstorms, but I, it doesn't seem like they should be acting right. So the hail finally stops about five minutes before I get to John. I pull up, and uh, he's already got his gear on. We're ready to go. We're ready to rock. I hop out of the car, get my stuff on super fast, kind of feel that panic mode that you feel whenever, uh, you know, you're hunting with a buddy and he's like ready to go and you're trying to play catch up. So I had that going on, just trying to hurry up, and get all my stuff on, kind of work out a little bit of our plan. The birds that we had seen earlier in that big field were still out in that field. And so we had pretty good confidence that we could work our way all, all the way around them to, to get back in there on them. And you might be wondering why I threw into the story a minute ago that John's six foot five. Well, let me tell you a little bit of something. I'm five foot seven, so I'm really short. I'm five foot seven. I've got all my gear. I've got decoys that I'm carrying. I've got uh, knee-high rubber boots on because we're heading back through this marsh. I know we're going to have to cross at least one creek and when I crossed this creek last year, it actually went over my knee-high boots. And so I had a pretty good idea that this was going to be a wet and wild kind of, uh, kind of walk for us. So I have all kinds of stuff. Even have my rain gear in my backpack. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm weighted down pretty good. Well, when you're 5'7", and you try to follow a guy who's 6'5", and you're both in a hurry, and you're walking up a, not a steep hill, but, you know, a decent little incline, uh, man, it'll, it'll wear you out really quick. So I, I very quickly am just like, John, dude, I, I, I can't keep up with you, man. Like I'm, I'm not going to be able to, to keep the same pace as you. He was kind. He slowed down for me just a little bit, but, um, we got over the hill, we got down into the marsh and we're getting ready to begin making our, uh, our trek through the marsh. We'd kind of glassed where we thought the birds could be. They, they weren't visible to us, but that's okay. And so John, actually made the decision that he was going to call before we, we got too far down into the marsh. Now, I have tunnel vision at this point, right? Like, I'm going after those birds. I'm making this big loop. Like, I'm making a move, a big move. I'm not going to mess around with calling. 
John, though, we get down in there, he calls, <clears throat> and when you know it, a bird fires off like a hundred yards away from us. And it was kind of those one of those panic moments because I didn't think that was going to happen. I thought maybe we were, I don't know, close enough to those other birds they would hear us and gobble or something. I don't know. Um, but I did not expect a bird to gobble at like a hundred yards. So I'm like, oh crap, what do we do? You know, we kind of look around for a minute and we realize we're, we're not in a great spot. It's kind of a, of a little bit of a cove in this marsh brush stuff. Uh, but it's not a terrible spot either. In fact, we can get a really good hide. Um, the question is just, will we be able to call birds up into this kind of tighter area in this marsh? And so we get, get ready to set up and John calls again and that bird answers back. And then another bird fires off further away, probably sounded like it was probably, you know, 250, 300 yards or something like that. And I'm like, okay, this is getting real. We hurry up and set up the decoys. We get all set up and I'm sitting there waiting. And every time he calls this, this first Tom responds. And so will the other Tom. Then I realized after he called again, the first bird responds, and then two toms gobble off to our, what is our left at this point, I believe that would be uh, to the west of us. So I'm like, okay, there are several birds that are interested, and they all sound like they're coming, like they're all getting closer. And then finally I hear some walking in the brush, and I look up and I see a redhead kind of coming through the, the marsh grass, just catching you know, glimpses of him through this uh, dogwood and other brush. He peeks his head over to where he can see down into the cove and he sees the decoys and he doesn't spook, but he doesn't hang around either. Now, if I'd wanted to force the issue, I probably could have taken a shot at that turkey. But we had other toms coming in too and I didn't want to risk it. I didn't want a gun to go off and, you know, obviously mess up the hunt. But I also didn't want to risk a shot that I wasn't 100% positive was going to be immediately lethal. I had a good look at his head, but you know, when you get into some of that thicker stuff that's a little more brushy, you know, it can just it can play havoc on your pattern and it can be deceiving. And uh, I know a lot of guys say, "Well, I shoot TSS, so I can just blast right through it." And that's that's fine. I'm not shooting TSS. I'm shooting Longbeard XRs. In fact, I'm shooting XRs number in number 6. I've never shot size 6 before for turkeys until this year. I'm usually shooting number 4. And something about shooting number six is just, I don't know, I had a little bit less less confidence in their uh, in their knockdown power. But anyway, that's beside the point. That turkey turns and, and heads back the other direction, but not straight away from us. It looks like what he might be doing is looping around from the other side. And we, we don't know. We called again. He never really um, gobbled much back at us. I can't remember if he gobbled maybe one time as he was kind of leaving. But... Um, but when we did call, these other toms fired up, and we can tell it's multiples now, and we can tell it's at least two. So we get settled in, and, and man, they're just, they're coming. They are, they're coming, they're coming pretty quick, too. And then I see movement off to my, my left, which is west. <clears throat> and I'm like, okay, John, I can see him. He's like, okay, like, tell me, you know, tell me when, you, when you've got him in the frame so that, so that we can take the shot. And I'm just trying to calm myself down at this point because this just went from an absolute free-for-all. It's like, oh, no, where do we set up because it's, ha- it's happening so quickly to, boom, the turkeys are right there. So I'm just trying to, to slow everything down in, in my mind. As they come in, I have the, 
I guess the the my wits about me enough to get the tacticams on, get my barrel pointed directly at them, and move with it. Because when you have a tacticam on the end of your gun, you know your gun essentially is your camera. So if you want to get good footage, that gun needs to be aiming at the critters. And so I'm watching them down the gun barrel, and I'm getting excited. They work their way up into this cove. They kind of pause for just a second, and then they come on. I mean, just no fear coming in at the, at this decoy. They walk right past the hen coy, hen decoy. Sorry, the hen coy. Yeah, uh, they walk right past the hen decoy and all the way over to the Jake decoy. And I'm thinking, all right, this is it. And I can feel that tension. You ever? Do you ever have that that moment when you're about to shoot that you just like feel that flinch in your arm where it's like you almost just yank the heck out of the trigger. I had that happen. And I i mean, I almost just let it eat as soon as those turkeys got over there. But a couple of things stopped me. Number one, I've got a goal for turkey hunting, and it's going to be more so next year. Uh, I want to let it wait for just a minute, especially when I'm filming. If, I'm, if I've got decoys set up, I'm not taking shot opportunity number one. Like I've been in the past, as soon as that turkey gives me a clean shot, I'm taking the shot, no matter if he's honed in on the decoys or not. I want to give it a little bit more time here uh, in, in the future if I'm hunting over decoys because I want to get a little bit more of that interaction. One of the things I love about early season turkeys is how they respond to decoys and how they come in and posture and strut and gobble and, and do all the things. And I want to be able to share more of that, experience more of that, relive more of that. And so uh, I paused. And then also, these three birds were all lumped up together, which if you heard the episode that I did at the end of last turkey season, you know that I filled my last turkey tag of 2022 by accidentally shooting two birds uh, at the same time because they were they had sort of lined back up and I wasn't aware of it. At the last second, one of them kind of stuck his head back behind the other. And I ended up having to report myself to a game warden. I actually had that game warden come on the show and talk about that just a little bit. But I didn't want to make that mistake again. So I slowed it back down, waited for the birds to spread out a little bit, kind of watched them circle the, the decoy a little. And then one of them, you know, looking back at the footage, he, he didn't get nervous. I think he was just trying to figure out what he was going to do with this decoy. But he acted weird enough that I decided now is the time. John had already said, hey, whenever you're ready, take the shot. And uh, there... I'll be honest with you, there was no squeezing the shot off with this one. I mean, I, I still yanked that trigger, like a, or slapped it at least, you know, as soon as it was time to take the shot, uh, but folded them up right there by the decoys. And we sat there for a minute, which was awesome because we got to get footage of the the other turkeys kind of coming in and kicking on him and flogging him for a little bit. Um, just a really, really cool experience, really cool hunt. Uh, I ended up trying to do some calling there right after those turkeys were flogging them because I was hoping we could get footage of them gobbling and, you know, have the dead turkey in the frame and all of that. But that didn't happen. But they did kind of circle around. And, <clears throat> yeah, man, uh, uh, just a, a, a picturesque hunt, uh, a beautiful, fast, you know, one of those hunts that leaves you scratching your head. Like, man, that one felt almost like cheating. Like, that one felt too easy. It, we'd, it wasn't an early morning hunt. It wasn't off the roost. We didn't have to sneak. We didn't have to do a lot but get to a spot and call. And those and those birds just came in. We didn't have to make them, you know, another three-quarters of a mile walk that we were going to have to make to get looped around on those other birds. 
And, uh, man, so it, it turns out in this one little area, there were five toms in one field that we were trying to circle around on, not to mention the jakes and stuff that were in there with them. And then we called in four toms at this spot. So all total in this one little area, there were nine different toms. And not only were there nine toms in this little area, but in the spots that I drove past on the way there, I was still seeing turkeys in fields. I was wondering how they would respond to this hailstorm. And they responded to the hailstorm a lot like they respond typically with, with rain. You know, as soon as the rain passes, they're kind of all out in the fields. And, and that's what they had done. So I saw turkeys all the way there. I'm, I'm driving past turkeys that I could hunt to go meet up with John, thinking to myself, why in the world am I passing up these turkeys? Maybe I shouldn't. Um, but, yeah, we got there. And there, I mean, just tons of birds everywhere. I can't imagine that folks in Zone 2 are, uh, are not experiencing some good some good hunting uh but you know it was it was a bittersweet day i got to experience this with a with a new hunting buddy he captured everything on on camera which the few the footage is beautiful he took some awesome pictures i I never have people there to take pictures of me after the hunt i've always got to kind of makeshift um you know a tripod or something to to get pictures taken but he took excellent photos to help me capture the hunt but that also meant that my tag was filled in Wisconsin. I was not going to get to hunt with Pierce. I was probably not going to get to hunt with Matt from Weathered Oaks. And so I'm thinking, man, this is, <clears throat> you know, it's a sad day. Like, it's, it's a sad day. I don't, I don't live in Wisconsin anymore, and I've got, I've got buddies that I want to try to meet up with and take time to, to hunt with. And, um, but it, it had just been uh, just the way it all happened. I wasn't going to be able to, to do that anymore. But, um during all of this, though, my wife had been home with, with some sick kids. And I don't know if I mentioned it before. It, they had all had a stomach bug, funny enough, um, during that week when I was in Iowa and, uh, and, and in Wisconsin. And it was just kind of wrecking things here at home. And if you've ever done an out-of-state trip, you know that if you're out-of-state and your wife and kids are having a tough time, like no matter what it is, it, it could be the kids are acting up, it could be issues at school. It could be your wife's having issues at work, which mine was not. Mine was having a great time at work. It was just trying to balance all the things, getting kids to and from school, uh, but also having sick kids. So trying to work from home with kids that are throwing up and just not able to meet some of the, uh, the expectations that she was hoping to get met. She had asked me to consider, hey, uh, and, and this I felt like was just a, a huge thing for us. She said, hey, would you consider coming home early? And man, that, that made me feel so appreciated and supported uh, as a husband. And I don't know what I did to deserve my wife, but uh, man, she, she threw that out there of, hey, would you consider coming home a little bit early if you can tag out in Wisconsin? And you know what? I was like, absolutely. Like, not a question. You've had a tough time. I've been having great hunting here. If I can tag out early, I will go ahead and come home. And so you know, there are several guys that I didn't get to connect with, Pierce being one of them, Matt being one of them, another buddy of mine, Jared, that I didn't get to meet up with while I was there because um, I went ahead and actually uh, I cleaned that bird that afternoon. So we left the truck at 2 o'clock, left the car at 2 o'clock, and by 3 o'clock we had a turkey on the ground. So I took the bird back. I uh, cleaned them up that afternoon before the sun went down. That evening, I kind of took my time to organize and pack everything, put everything away, because if you've been on a one-week hunting trip out of state, you know things can just get out of hand really quickly. 
packed up the next morning and headed south. And so, um, yeah, had a fantastic hunt. Huge thanks to John. Huge shout out to him for, uh, you know, catching this on film. John's a great dude, man. He's uh, been bit by the bug of uh, filming hunts and stuff. And, you know, he's been wanting to do that. And this was, I don't, I don't think this is the first time he's filmed somebody shoot something, but um, I know he's a little bit newer to it and, and loves it. And he has a real knack for it too. I mean, I'll, I'll post the video eventually and uh, you'll see. It's just awesome footage. He's got a great camera too. So uh, anyway, huge shout out, John. Thanks for, uh, thanks for filming for us. Uh, and then, you know, Pierce and, and Matt, guys, sorry, I suck. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I really wish we could have hung out and, uh, you know, had some time together. But that's all right. We've got, we've got time for that stuff. I, I think we're going to make a summer trip up to Wisconsin to see some family friends and, you know, enjoy all that Wisconsin has for the summertime because, man, Wisconsin summers beat the heck out of Georgia summers. I can tell you that right now. Uh, it is 85-ish here today in Georgia. And it went from, you know, highs in the low upper 60s the other day to 85 right now. And I'm just, I'm not digging it. I'm not digging it. So, uh, anyway, but that's the story of my hunt there in Wisconsin. I did get to get out the, the very next morning. I had about two hours that I could devote to hunting. And I went with a buddy of mine named Alex who had been hunting the same public. And he had never shot a turkey before. I was hoping I could get him in there to get him one. We show up to the public parking spot. There are cars there. We go to a private farm that's right down the road. Somebody's flashing at us with their red light there. I'm like, geez, where are these people even parked? Like, I don't even know. We turn around. We go to another farm that I've got, and the birds are gobbling. As soon as we get there, they come in. They're probably 40, 45 yards uh, from the decoys just looking at it and turn and work their way off. They're not super excited about the decoys, unfortunately. Uh, so we didn't get one that morning, but I did have one more morning in the field, which was absolutely awesome. Then, uh, yeah, headed on back to the, the camper, picked everything up. And I went by, uh, just a little side note here. This isn't anything to do with the turkey. This is more to do with my buck from this past fall. I ran over to uh, Josh Mer- Merzberger's Rut Strut and Stream Taxidermy and uh, picked up my buck from this fall. And he looks awesome. You can go look at on, on Instagram. Uh, I've got a picture of him. They did a great job, not only on the mount, uh, but with preserving the wound. If you remember that story, so I shot this buck on November 3rd. No, maybe it was November 2nd. I shot it on November 2nd or 3rd the first time. I think it was November 2nd uh, the first time. And then and it was a non-lethal lethal hit. Uh, so then I shot the, t- the bird again. I mean, shot the bird. I shot this buck on November 2nd or 3rd. And then I shot this buck again on November 8th and made good on it. They were able to preserve the the wound or preserve the scar from the first shot. And it looks fantastic. Like the deer looks exactly like he did the day that I shot him with a little bit of an open wound up high on his back. So, um, man, really, really thrilled with how that turned out. And, uh, yeah, if you're looking for a good taxidermist, in southern Wisconsin, maybe in northern Illinois, somewhere around there, Merzberger's Rut Strut and Stream Taxidermy. I highly, highly recommend him. He's done some turkeys for me. He's done this deer, and uh, does he just does great work. So, uh, yeah, go check him out. You can also connect with him on uh, on Instagram. I think it's at Josh or something like that. But he's also got a Facebook page. Uh, I'm not really big on Facebook. In fact, just reactivated my account not not too long ago. So. Uh, he's also on Facebook that you can find him there, but 
Anyway, guys, that's a wrap for my my turkey season. I'm still chasing them down here in Georgia. I actually got out yesterday, and uh, it's hot. It's humid. Leaf, I mean, green up is is in full effect. I mean, it looks like it, it might as well be July here. You can't see through the woods, uh, you know, 50 yards. So, um, you know, hunting is getting tough. I may not get out again for the rest of the year. My turkey season may be over until until next year. But we've got some cool things in the works. In fact, right now, I'm talking with my wife about potentially doing a um, an Osceola hunt beginning in March, which she is all on board for because that means we as a family would be in Florida. And then I've got a buddy I'm talking to about chasing Rios in Texas. And you know what? If I'm already getting an Osceola hunt in March and then she's giving me the green light for a, for a Rio in Texas, well, you might as well add a Merriam's on top of that while you're out west anyway. And then if you've already shot an Osceola and a Rio – and a Merriam's, you might as well shoot for that single season slam. So that is kind of in the works for next year. Um, I never thought in my life that I would be in a position where I could begin to say, hey, I want to pursue a single season slam. But because of our awesome partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx Hunt, uh, because of our awesome listener base like you guys who were interactive and you reach out and you support me and you listen to my shows every week. Um, man, because of the awesome people that I've surrounded myself with, I am now in this kind of position. So if you've got any tips or tactics about chasing down a Merriam's, that is the one wild card right now. I know where I'll go for the Osceola. I know where I'll go for the Rio. I don't know where I'll go for the Merriam's Turkey, but already in the works for next, uh, next Turkey season. And, yeah, I'm turning my focus now pretty hard to to fishing. I think I'm going to fish more this spring and summer than I have in years past. Um, you know, down here in the south, it's uh, it's hot, man. And so, you know, anything I can do to get myself around a, a body of water would be, would be fantastic. So uh, looking to fish a little bit more, but already making plans for deer season as well. I cannot wait to, to get back up to Wisconsin and start chasing some bucks. And so... Uh, anyway, guys, thanks so much for listening to me ramble and for this to this story. If you have any questions or feedback or anything like that, feel free to let me know. Thanks for listening to this week's show. We'll catch you next time. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. While you're at it, if you could leave me a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. You can also follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at the Wisconsin Sportsman or at How to Hunt Deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics, guests, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show. And if you're looking for more great outdoor content, check out the sportsmansempire.com where you'll find my other podcast, the How to Hunt Deer podcast, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts. And until next time, make sure you make the time to get outside and enjoy the incredible natural resources that are ours as Wisconsin sportsmen.